Thank you for listening to this podcast from Monclova Road Baptist Church. For more information about this message and the ministries of Monclova Road Baptist Church, please visit monclovabaptist.org. Well, Acts chapter 8 is an amazing chapter in Scripture because in this chapter, it describes, there's a paragraph that we're going to look at this morning that describes a salvation experience. Some would call it a conversion story. And when you when you don't have this conversion story or this salvation experience, then the Bible describes this person as being someone who is lost or dead or in darkness or like a sheep without a shepherd or someone who is without hope or without God in this world. But when you do know about this experience, when you have had a conversion story, when you when your testimony about this is clear, then the Bible describes you as someone who is found, forgiven, rescued, redeemed, restored, born again, or sometimes just kind of the good old fashioned way of saying it would be saved. And so this is very important. And in this passage of scripture, this conversion story is given in detail. And how, and your story of how this happened to you is very important. In fact, it's very important that you, you know this story. This is not something that can be described as, well, I was raised in church. That's a good thing. It's a great thing to be raised in church, but that's, that's not your conversion story. This isn't something that can be described as, well, you know, if you're talking, Brother Eric, about the fact that I, uh, my, you know, my parents are, 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 are Christians, then, then yeah, I've got one of those. That's not what I'm talking about. It's personal. It's something that has happened to you, and it's something that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt. You're sure of it. Let me illustrate. Um, what's your name? No, no, right here. Steve, Steve, great job on the guitar today. Fantastic. Steve, are you married? Yes, sir. You are? Yes. Is, is your wife in the building? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Pretty sure. You're pretty sure? Okay, all right. Would you say of 100%, how sure are you? In fact, where is she in the building? She's next to you. Yes. Oh, so are you sure that's her? Beyond any shadow of a doubt, are you sure? I'm, I'm, I'm nailing you. Are you 100% sure that's your wife? Last I was told. Last you were told, okay. So I couldn't talk you out of it. No, sir. That's how sure, of course, I'm not sure if we want to be sure than he is, but no, that's how sure you want to be. That, that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that, that, that you have this story, that you know that you've been saved. And so we find that here in this, in this chapter, in this story. Now, what's interesting is in this, in this story, we find five things that are going on. And as I observed this story, I, I found that these same five things were all going on in my life when I had this story. When this story became a reality to me, all five of these things were going on, every one of them. And I'm convinced that they're going on in the lives of everyone who has this story. And so as you hear this message and you identify these things going on in your life, then you can be thankful you have a conversion story. But if you're here this morning and you would say, I'm just not sure that all of these things are, are going on, then, then maybe this morning you can identify how you can have this story. 
So let's look at it together, shall we? Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. The Bible says in Acts 8, 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. Ah, we're introduced to someone here. Here is the first thing that is going on in every conversion story, and that is you'll always find an obedient messenger. In every conversion story, there's a Philip. There's a name. There's someone who carried the message to you. And so the Bible says here in this story, it's Philip. And it goes on to say that the angel of the Lord, we might, we might liken that to the Holy Spirit. Has anybody ever, without raising your hand, just in your heart, has anybody ever, if, if you have a conversion story, if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, have you ever experienced the nudge or the prodding or the leading of the Holy Spirit of God for you to share with someone else your story? Well, that's what's happening to Philip. The angel comes to Philip and, and the angel says, Arise! I want you to go somewhere. I want you to go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, just for a moment, let's uh, let's talk about this this request. The angel says to Philip, I want you to go to Gaza. Where is Gaza? Well, Gaza is exactly 60 miles away from Jerusalem. It's a Philistine city. It's It would be likened to maybe uh, the hood. <laughs> I live in the hood. I live in Hot Springs, Arkansas, but I live right downtown. I mean, where the action is. I come out here, a lot of country, a lot of fields. I was on a kind of a 15-acre place yesterday where a youth pastor lives and a lot of land here. I'm sure you hear a lot of crickets when you go to sleep. I hear drive-by shootings, okay? And so um, I, I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, so that's kind of my life is more uh, the city life. Well, to go to Gaza would have been to go to a dangerous area, not a pleasant area, a Philistine city, a place that you would not normally go just to go. And here the angel says to Philip, I want you to go to Gaza, 60 miles away from where he was. Well, you know, if I was traveling 60 miles, it would take me in my car about 60 minutes going the speed limit, right? Well, they didn't have cars back then. This was not a convenient request. This was something that the angel was asking Philip to do that would have taken him quite a while to get there. I just want you to know that it wasn't convenient for him to go wasn't easy for him to go and I'm sure it disrupted his plans and I'm sure that that wasn't something he had on his agenda at that moment on that day but look at verse 27 it says and he arose and went he did exactly what God had asked him to do you see because in every conversion story you will identify there is always an obedient Messenger, And here in this story, the obedient messenger is Philip. Many things he could have done other than obey the request. He could have said, I've got other things to do. Well, I'm busy. Well, I'll, I'll be late to an appointment. Well, can't someone else do it? Well, I'm not feeling well. There's all kinds of excuses that Philip could have given, but the Bible says that he arose and he went. I'm so thankful today that there was an obedient messenger named Glenn Riggs who on September the 1st, 1978, pastor, was faithful to preach the glorious gospel to me. And when I heard the message of the gospel sitting in that auditorium as a 13-year-old Roman Catholic altar boy raised 
in a very religious atmosphere, but never hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly. I stepped out of the aisle and walked down in front of that church and knelt with the pastor in front of the Lord's Supper table and received Christ as my Lord and Savior. I thank him. He's 70 years old now, but every September the 1st of every year, he gets a call, a text, an email, something that says, thank you. This year it was thank you for 39 years ago, introducing me to Jesus Christ. You see, it was just a short time ago, September the 1st of, of 2017, that I celebrated my 39th year of being a Christian. And I'm thankful today that God placed in my life a messenger, a Philip. You know, someone said to me after I preached this message recently at our church, they said, Pastor, I, I disagree with you on that first point. I don't think I had one of those. I said, really? I said, well, tell me about it. I, I'll, I'll recant or maybe I can add a, a you know, disclosure to the message. I, I'm willing to do that. He said, well, yeah, for me, it was I was one night in my hotel room and I was lonely and in despair and at the place of, of taking my own life. And, and I reached down to the dresser and pulled it open and there was a Gideon Bible. And I took that Bible out and I went to the back and I read the plan of salvation and I got saved. So there you have it, Pastor. No obedient messenger. And I said, I disagree. I said, who put the Bible there? He said, I guess you're right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I said, you know, you may not know who that messenger was until you get to heaven, but I can assure you, you you're going to be thankful. There was a faithful Gideon who was who on that day put that Bible in that place. Someone may have received a track from someone that you don't know. And you read that track and received Christ. You may give to missions and, and find that one day someone says thank you in heaven because you gave, they got saved. You see, there may be very many people that we have no idea we touched with our, with our testimony, with our lives, with our, with our giving. But there's always someone attached to every conversion story. It's called an obedient messenger. Doesn't Romans chapter 10 verse 14 say, how shall they hear without a preacher? You see, there is got to be a preacher, someone, a messenger. And so I want you to identify that in your life right now. Who was that person? And maybe sometime this week you could thank them. What a wonderful thing it would be just to call that person up and say, if you, if you are, if you have a conversion story to say, I just want to thank you. I'll never forget the day that God used you to bring the gospel to me. Number two, in every conversion story, you'll find something else. Notice again in Acts chapter 8, let's continue reading here. It says, and he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia. Here enters the second character in the story. Because in every conversion story, you'll find an obedient messenger. And secondly, you'll always find a hungry heart. Someone looking for something. Someone searching for something. And here it is, this Ethiopian eunuch, and he's of great authority, and he's under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. So it's it's someone who is obviously of some renown. He's of some position and authority in life. And the Bible says here that he had charge of all of the treasure. And notice this next phrase in Scripture. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, what was he coming to worship? Well, he didn't know. He was just searching for something. He was coming to worship something because all of us today desire to worship something. There's a place in our hearts that, that wants to worship. And, it, and today, uh, we all know this, that 
at one time in our lives, if we are a Christian, there was an empty place in our hearts. And, and we knew that and we were searching for something and something just wasn't right. And we were looking for that and oftentimes in the wrong places. And here he was coming to worship. He was searching to, to, to replace what was in his life that wasn't fulfilling him. Do you know what that's like? Have you ever been to a place in your life where you've said there's got to be more than this? There's just got to be more than this in life. He was hungry. He was searching. You know, a couple of years ago on Easter Sunday, I was trying to inspire our church to invite more people to church than we ever invited before. And so I came up with this idea. I'm an idea guy. I said, you know what? I'm going to do something. I, I said, it's about three weeks before Easter. And I said to our media guy, I said, uh, he's my nephew, actually. I said, Ken, I want you to follow me all day tomorrow. He said, what, what do you want me to do? I said, yeah, get a camera, get our, get our nice camera, and just follow me and, and just film me and record me every step of the way, whatever I do. I said, don't say anything. I'm not going to talk to you. I don't want you to talk to me. I just want you to follow me everywhere I go. He said, Pastor, what are you going to do? I said, I'm just going to invite people to church in, in different ways and in different places. And I just want to illustrate to our church that, that, that anyone will accept an invitation and that it's a perfect opportunity with it being Easter to invite people to church. So I grabbed a bunch of invitations. Here, this guy's following me. My nephew, Ken, by the way, he just became a dad himself. Great, great family. Been serving the Lord of Gospel Light for about 10 years. And so he's following me around, you know, everywhere that I go, I go everywhere. I mean, I, I go to Wendy's to buy a Frosty. I invite the lady at the, at the little window, you know, hello, my name's Erica. I, I, I'm going to Gospel Light. Hey, listen, would you like to come to services on Easter? Can I give you an invitation? He gets that. I go, I walk down the street, knock on some doors. He's just following me, not saying a word. We go to place after place, downtown Hot Springs. I'm passing out flyers in the downtown area. We did this for hours. We go to Walmart. You got to go to Walmart, you know. We go into Walmart. He's following me up and down. He said it was so awkward, but he did it. And he's following. We went to the cash register and I walk up to the lady at the cash. He's right behind me filming all of this. Nobody's saying anything. It's kind of like they think they're on TV or something, you know, that I'm some kind of news person. And uh, I uh, the lady says, you know, uh, can I help you? I put my little things on the counter there. She begins to ring me up. I say, hey, listen, could I invite you to church? And and and, and she said, uh, well, sure. And I said, I'd like to invite you to, to Easter Sunday with us. Could I give you this card? And, and she took the card and she said, you know, I, I think I'll come. And I said, that's great. That's fantastic. And she put the card underneath the register there. And, and I walked out and then he walked out with me into the parking lot. And, and I was walking towards the car and, and I thought, well, I'm just going to do this right next to my car was another car. And I, I just went over to the car, lifted up the windshield wiper, put the little invitation there, put the windshield wiper down. I mean, I was, I was just doing everything I could do to give everybody dozens and dozens of ideas of ways you can invite people to church. Well, we finished that, showed it the next Sunday in church. Man, it took off. People began to talk about Easter Sunday and invite people to church. Easter came. We had the largest crowd we had had and people were saved and lives were changed. It was just a magnificent day. And after the service, I'm shaking hands in the back. And this lady walks up to me and she says, Pastor, thank you so much for the invitation. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, who are you? She said, Pastor, Monica, you know me, Monica. I said, Monica, I don't. She goes, Walmart. I'm like, the cashier. She said, yes, the cashier. I said, Monica, this is amazing. She goes, thank you. I got saved today and I want to get baptized. 
And I said, Monica, what, what, this is this is overwhelming. I said, what, what happened? She's a pastor. She said, that day that you walked in the store, that morning my husband had left me. And I was at the point of just giving up. And I didn't even want to go to work that day, but I did. And I was so depressed and so discouraged. And then you come to the cashier and you got this big smile on your face and you're all happy. And I'm like, you know, oh, I got to get rid of this guy. And then you give me this invitation. And I'm thinking, well, maybe this is something I should try. And I put it under the register. I leave that day and I walk out into the parking lot. I'm like, stink, I forgot that. I don't remember the, his name, the name of the church. I said, I'm just forget it. And I left it there and I went to my car and I get in my car and then I look into my and I'm like, and I get out and I take that invitation. I'm like, there it is again. She said, Pastor, I can't believe you took the time to put those invitations on every car in the parking lot. And I go, Monica, I only put it on one car in the parking lot. And she said, Pastor, you only put it on my car. I said, that's how much Jesus loves you, Monica. He didn't just give you one invitation. He gave you two. And she began to cry, and I began to cry. Baptized Monica. Her life's been changed. You see, obedient messengers, there's a lot of hungry hearts out there. But they need to have an obedient messenger. You see, they're looking, they're searching, they're, they're desiring. I remember years ago, uh, we had an evangelist come through. Whenever I say his name, there's always at least one person in the crowd that somehow knows this man. He's an older gentleman. His name is Frank Shiver. Maybe after the service, if you've ever heard of this great evangelist, Frank Shiver, great guy. He used to preach at our church and years ago. And he, I remember he came through one day and he said this. I'll never forget this. And I hope you'll never forget it too. It'll help you. He remember he said, you know, he said, when you invite people to church and when you invite folks to come to Jesus, he said, you'll get a lot of rejection. But don't be discouraged because you're looking for the one that's looking for you. Man, that resonated with me. You're looking for the one that's looking for you. I, I preached a, a message kind of like this at Gospel Light not long ago. And a man came up to me after the service and he, he said, Pastor, I just feel like I said, I'm 74 years old and I... I've never really uh, invited folks to church or I've never led anybody to the Lord. He said, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've just not been that obedient messenger. He said, Pastor, I'd like to I'd like to go with you sometime. And I said, well, let's 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 go. How about tomorrow night? He said, let's go tomorrow night, Pastor. I said, well, let's meet at the church and we'll go, you know, go invite a few folks to church and just see what, what God does. And he met me, met me there. And I told Tom, his name was Tom Payne. I said, Tom, listen, I, I just want you to know before we go. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's, it's not smooth and there can be some bumps in the road and not everybody's going to listen. But remember what Frank said, we're looking for the one that's looking for us. He said, oh yeah, pastor, I remember that. Yeah, I got it. So we go out and the first door, oh, God comes to the door. Nice neighborhood too. No shirt on, beer in his hand, gone, sauced, out of there. I mean, drunk. I give him the invitation. He takes the, no joke, he takes it and throws it in my face. I mean, I'm just covered in beer. I'm holding that invitation. He says some nice things to me. Not so nice. We walk away and Tom says, Pastor, I don't think he was looking for us. <laughs> I'm like, Tom, I think you're right. He wasn't looking for us. We keep going. A few more doors. Just good good night not not some nice people not everybody obviously like the first guy but we we just nobody was really open 
I said, Tom, it's probably time to go. I said, it's getting late. I said, it's really strategically not wise to knock doors past this hour. And man, Tom just said, Pastor, I'm 74 years old. I, I, I may die tonight. We've got to find somebody. I said, well, Tom, he said, can we just do one more? I said, all right, Tom, one more. We walk up to this door and I noticed it was a, a plumber because he had a truck out front and it was a plumbing company and I knock on the door and I've never done this before nor since. Never. I don't know why I did it. But he had his plumbing outfit on and his name right here, George. And so as soon as he opened the door and I saw that, I just went, George! Unbelievable! This is crazy, George! It's been 25 years! How are you, George? And he looked at me with this look and he said, great, it's great, yeah, it's good. I said, George, man, I'm so thankful. We, this is incredible. I can't believe I'm seeing you right now. I said, my goodness. He said, I, I feel the same way. Good to see you. I said, oh, it's just incredible, man. Remember those days in school? Oh, we got some memories, don't we? He said, great ones, yeah. And after about a few more seconds of dialogue like that, he said, Who are you? I said, George, come on. Look, come on. George, think. He said, I'm so sorry. I said, George, George. Oh, man, that ain't for you. You don't know me, do you? I said, I have no clue who you are. I said, I just thought I'd have a little fun. I said, my name's Eric. I'm from Gospel Light. I pastor a church and... I just honestly thought we'd come by and invite you and, and just see, you know, if you're a Christian. He said, really? I said, yeah, that's kind of why we're here. He said, it's incredible. I go, it is? He said, you know, I've been thinking about that lately. About that time, Tom goes, preacher, he's looking for us. He's the one. He's the, I mean, Tom goes crazy. I'm like, Tom, silent partner, settle down. I have to apologize to George for Tom's behavior. And we go into George's house and George receives Christ as his savior. And Tom walks out and says, all right, I can die now. Somebody's going to be in heaven. Thank you, pastor, for knocking on one more door. You know, it's amazing that, that if we would just be sensitive to that angel, to that, to, just to that voice, that Holy Spirit that says, that's the one. Knock on that door. Talk to that person. You see, you thought you went to Walmart to buy milk. No, you went to Walmart to go down that aisle to sovereignly meet that person to invite them to church. He says, it's just awkward. It's weird. Go to Gaza, 60 miles away, just to talk to one person. See, it, it's just a matter of sensitivity. And so in every conversion story, there is an obedient messenger. There is a hungry heart. Thirdly, look at verse number 28. In every conversion story, there is always, number three, God's Word always look at 28 and he was returning this Ethiopian eunuch was returning and sitting in his chariot reading the Bible he was reading Elijah the prophet this is incredible and so Philip comes to this place and he he sees this man he's reading the Bible and the spirit says to Philip I want you to read that again just in your heart look at it and read it the spirit says to Philip, can you imagine this? Go near and join thyself to this chariot. That's the one. 
That's the reason you came to Gaza. There's the hungry heart. And the Bible says, and Philip ran. I love that. I'm an energetic guy. Can you tell? Oh, listen, I love the fact that Philip was so excited. He had found the one for whom God, it doesn't say, and he casually approached. He timidly walked. He was so, (laughs) he runs to meet him. Isn't that what the, do we believe what the Bible says? Does run mean walk or does run mean run? He ran. He was so excited. Wouldn't it be great if that's how excited we were every Sunday when we left church? I can't wait. What does God have in store for me this week? Let's go. Let's do this. You say, that's kind of strange. Well, how do we feel when our son or daughter is playing ball? Do we get to that game on time? Can we not wait to be there? Are we excited when something happens? Let's go. We ought to feel that way about every Sunday afternoon. It's going to be a great week. I wonder who it is. God wants me to talk to he ran to meet him. And the Bible says he, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, or the prophet Elijah. Or Isaiah, excuse me. And he said, and I love this gentle approach. He said, hey man, understand what you're reading there? You know, I think that's the best way to witness. It's not, hey bro, turn or burn. You got it? You can reject me, but you're going to split hell wide open. I don't know. I, 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 I've been under preaching like that. I, I've heard preaching like that. I've walked past the signs. Never has really moved me to be interested in the gospel. But when that man preached the gospel that day and told me God loved me, and he actually told me he loved me, and I felt that love and I felt that compassion... Made a difference. Understand what you read. Can, can I help you? And he said, how can I? Except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him in the chariot. And the place he was reading was Isaiah 53. The scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before a shearer. He opened not his mouth. And it goes on to quote some more of Isaiah 53 there. You see, in every conversion story, you will find God's word because God's word is what makes the difference. I was so thrilled to hear Brother Cox tell me that part of what he's challenging our young people here at this church to do is to memorize scripture. Two thumbs up. He's he's, he's, he's identified portions of scripture that will help young people share the gospel. I mean, how good is it for us to know God's word, to be able to share God's word, to understand what the scripture says, especially regarding salvation? We need to get scripture into people because their hearts are ready. Number four, the fourth thing, there's five total. We're almost done. The fourth thing you'll find in every conversion story. Number one, an obedient messenger, a hungry heart. You'll always find God's word. And this, this next thing, it's kind of a theological concept, but it makes me sound smart when I say it. <laughs> Number four, I'll dumb it down for all of us, including me. The fourth thing you'll find in every conversion story, every single story, you always find this. If you don't find this, it's not true conversion. You'll always find what's called substitutionary atonement. 
And it simply means this. Jesus took my place. In every conversion story, there must be an understanding of the fact that Jesus took your place. It's, the, it's this idea that I owed a debt that I could not pay, and, and he paid that debt that he didn't know. It's the idea that God is holy and I am sinful. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins so that I could be forgiven. It's the idea that I should have been hung on that cross. I should have died for my sins and spent an eternity in hell. That's what I deserve. But Jesus stepped in my place and said, I'll die for you. Instead of you, let me pay your debt. Every conversion story, there must be an understanding that God commendeth his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Letting go of my efforts and embracing what Jesus did for me. You see, for me, it was, we were very dedicated. New Orleans religious. I mean, every single month on the day, I walked into a booth and said, forgive me, Father, I have sinned. My last confession was. And I would tell him when that last confession was and then list all the sins I could think of out of fear that, that if I died with more sins than good things, that I would go to hell. This is what I, how I lived my life. And every month I would go there and then be told how much money that I needed to put in the little box and how many candles I needed to light and how many rosaries I needed to go through. And please don't laugh at me. This, this, is, this is how I lived. This is what I believed. This is how hard I worked to make sure that I could find favor with God in the end. Until one day, oh, I found out Jesus took my place. There was nothing I could do. Nothing more I could do. Nothing I could add to what Jesus did. And it changed my life forever. And my sins have been forgiven. All my sins are gone. And, and though I sin now, I, I found that it's, it's, it's not sins that will lead me to hell. It's sins that will separate me from having clear fellowship with God. And so I'm thankful for his forgiveness now. But, 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 it, but, but I know I'm going to heaven. What an amazing gift that is and understanding that is. And if you don't have a conversion story, then you don't have a conversion. And you must understand this. What a moment of decision right now. Think about it. Anyone in this room who maybe is sitting here and you're thinking, that's me right there. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm that person. I'm, Eric, I know I've been, I, I'm there. I, I, I'm that person that's trying to do good enough, trying to be good enough. It's kind of why I came to church today. I, I, I just, I really am searching and, and I thought I could find it maybe by just coming. And, and you found this morning that it's not in coming to church, it's in finding Jesus. It's in asking Jesus to free, forgive you of your sins and come into your heart and to save you. And you can, you can actually do that right now. You don't have to wait to the end of the service. There's not some sort of a like one, two, three thing. There's not some sort of like this perfect little prayer you pray or there's not this exact thing that everybody has to do the same. I mean, you could literally right now, while you're looking at me, you could actually just 
pray in your heart, God, forgive me. This is me. This is me. I cry out to you. Save me right now like you saved that person in this story. In every conversion story, there is an obedient messenger. There is a hungry heart. There's always God's word. There's always an understanding of substitutionary atonement or Jesus took my place. And in every conversion story, finally, and in conclusion, you will always find this. Look, if you would, please, just for a moment at verse 36. The Bible says, as we kind of close the message and find this final thing, it says, Philip opens his mouth. He began at the same scripture. He preached unto him Jesus. That's the verse I should have read actually a moment ago. I apologize. Where he preached Jesus. And that, that's substitutionary atonement. Jesus took my place. But in every conversion story, number, number five, you'll find this. Look at verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came to water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? Now, what's interesting is from a, just a observation. Doesn't mean I'm right. This is total observation. But I think it's worthy to note that there's a possibility that at this point he has still not made a decision. There's a possibility that at this point they're still having a, a, a communication in the man's chariot. They're kind of driving around. He's asking questions. What about this? Well, I've always been taught this. Well, I, I'm having a hard time. And, and they're conversing and trying to. He's asking questions, which, by the way, sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it's not always just a immediate thing, right? I, I just had an atheist get saved in my in, in my life that God put me in. It took me 16, uh, excuse me, 14 weeks for him to get saved. 14 weeks meeting one hour every Saturday for 14 consecutive weeks. And finally, on that 14th week, he received Christ. He had a lot of questions, but, but I stuck with it, hung in there, was patient with him, loving, understand what you read, very cautious and gentle, didn't want to run him off. And now he is a faithful, godly man in our church. He's, I, I believe that God's going to use him in a great way. His name's Alan. Alan Robinette. And so here he's having this conversation and, 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 and maybe he was saved, but, but possibly they were still talking. And notice it says in verse 37 that Philip says, well, if you believe with all your heart, if you believe, you, you can get baptized. And he answers and says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, saved. Bingo. Right there. Amen. I mean, I know for sure if he wasn't saved, he's saved now. I believe. And he commanded the chariot, oh, stop. Hey, let's go down to the water. And Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and they were baptized. Because in every conversion story, you'll always find a profession of faith. That's number five. You'll always find this. You see, that's why scripture says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. And it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, I can assure you, I am wearing this wedding ring today for more reasons than I'm just married. I'm wearing this because I'm not ashamed to say, to let the world know, especially I've been gone a week and I was down in Orlando for our college this week. And man, I, I'll tell you what, when I'm away from my wife from seven days, I just want to make sure everybody knows I'm taken. Not for sale. Hallelujah. Amen. Not ashamed. Now, am I still married? Yes. But I want to tell you something. Baptism does not save you. But baptism is something that when you are a Christian, you desire to do.
You want to do it. You want to follow Christ. I remember when I got saved, I, I remember when my pastor told me, listen, you need to get baptized. I said, well, no, I've done that. He said, well, tell me about it. I said, well, I was, I was sprinkled as a baby. It was a really big thing. I've got this piece of paper and, and, and that, that, I, I've done that. And he said, oh, no, no, no. That's, let, let me show you. This is what you need to do. This is what scripture says. It comes after this decision. It took him a quick explanation, a couple of verses. And I'm like, when? <laughs> Where? <laughs> How? I'm in. I, I wanted, to, and, and that's honestly, that's kind of how I feel today about some of the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life as to the next step of faith in my life. It's like, okay, God, I'm in. I mean, I want to follow you. You know, sometimes I think, I mean, it's easy to get saved, but sometimes I think we have watered it down to the point where it almost seems as if it's just this little prayer and that's it. It's just like these words and bingo, done. All right, see you later. Have a good time. If we never see you again, that's fine. You've got fire insurance. That's, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. This is a commitment. This is something that I can assure you when it happens, you'll be just like this man who said, what doth hinder me? I'm ready. When can I follow Christ? When can I take that next step? When can I make it public? In every conversion story, there's a public profession. It isn't something private. This is not something that you keep to yourself. That's why so many, I think, are confused about their salvation. Baptism is not something you did to get eternal life, but it is something that immediately follows the decision. So baptism is that first act of obedience, and you'll find it all throughout the book of Acts. All throughout. In fact, one day, it happened to 3,000 people. Pretty incredible. Like on the same day they were baptized. Doesn't mean you have to be baptized on the same day, but the first opportunity. Please don't, please don't confuse this with baptism regeneration. Not at all. You can be saved and die before baptism and go straight to heaven, but I can, I I want you to know, and I, I want this to resonate with you, that when you're saved, and if you're saved here today, you've never been baptized, this is a call for you to get that settled. Amen. Amen. So these five things are going on. How are you doing? Which one are you, the obedient messenger or the hungry heart? I would imagine probably most of us are obedient messengers, or is that something we need to become? Could it be that someone's here this morning and they still have the Bible they were given last week? And again, I, I'm not here to correct anybody. I, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm a real loving guy. I mean that. But I was convicted. I mean, when Pastor made that announcement about all those Bibles, I thought, wow, that's awesome. Man, I need to go home and do that. Let me challenge my people to give that Bible out. That was a great idea. And after that week, I would want to be one that it still isn't in my car. You see, obedient messenger, maybe this morning the whole message is for you. But maybe it's for the hungry heart. Maybe there's someone sitting here this morning that would say, I came to worship. I just didn't know what. But I found out this morning, it's Jesus. If that's you, in just a moment, we would encourage you to come and let us know that. And if not, please find us after the service, including me. And we'd love to talk with you more about how you can know for sure.